This is the Elite Development Podcast, a show with the aim of helping athletes evolve in every element of their careers through real-world advice and experience. I'm your host, Kenny Dussault. I'm a strength and conditioning coach in Calgary, Alberta, with a singular focus on building better athletes. And now, let's get to the episode. Thank you all for tuning in again to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. This week, I have Gilbert Boulay with me. Uh, Gilles was a sixth overall draft pick to the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2005. He played nearly 300 NHL games before continuing his pro career overseas, where he continues to play now. Thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time for this. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kenny. I appreciate it. So uh, just the first thing, can you talk to me a little bit about your minor hockey career? Like, was professional hockey always a goal for you? Like, how did that, how did that evolve for you? Um, yeah, you know, when you're, uh, you know, I started skating when I was four or five years old and um, started playing hockey pretty young age. And obviously at those kind of ages, you're just kind of in it for fun and just trying to learn a bit and try to learn how to stay on your feet and things like that. And, um, as I got older, you know, I'd say by the time I started getting to my I'd be 12, 13, 14 year old range is when I started to really get a little, a lot more serious about hockey. And then uh, obviously um, I played for the Quinault Millionaires in the BCHL uh, when I was 15 years old as an underage player. So I got to go experience kind of a higher level of hockey at a younger, younger age. And uh, it was a cool stepping stone actually for me. I realized that I really loved, uh, loved the game, really loved to compete at a high level. And uh, it was super fun to try to, you know, push those boundaries to go even farther and uh, try to take it as far as I can. And uh, that was pretty, pretty cool to go through major junior and be able to go through the, the NHL um, through there. Yeah, man, of course. I mean, that's like, that's every little kid's dream growing up playing hockey, right? Is to be able to make it to that kind of level and play in front of those crowds. So it's, uh, it's always exciting when you're actually able to live that dream out. But you said uh, being able to play for the Kelowna Millionaires as an underage player was just like, that was a really cool stepping stone. And that was a realization for you in there. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what was different moving up especially as an underage player what was it that kind of made you realize you know okay I might be able to make something out of this um there's a lot of things you know I think on the ice I was um playing pretty well against guys that were a bit older than I was you know I was playing against 20 year 20 year olds when I was 15 um and I was competing pretty well with them I'd say you know I had a good season and um yeah that's where I realized you know I could compete with guys that are older and bigger than me it's not always about the size you know sometimes you know I had the skill to kind of maneuver around some of these other guys so um that's when I realized that it was you know something that I think I wanted to do as a as a job as a career and uh, you know once once it does become a career it is it does change quite a bit it does change you change you a little bit as well it's kind of uh, obviously it's more of a job at, at some point right instead of um you know, when you're in junior and minor hockey, it's just you're kind of with your buddies having fun and having a good time playing in hockey tournaments all over the place. So, yeah, it's quite a bit, quite a big change. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, when you say that, like, that was the time that you wanted to make it a career for those 15 year old kids who right now are going through the same sort of thing, like whether they're playing in midget or whether they are, you know, underage in their junior leagues. Uh, what were the changes that you made, if any, when you sort of realized, you know, this is what I want to pursue? Like, was there anything that changed in your approach to the game, uh, practice, training, anything else like that? Um, I think things do change over time with training, especially like it doesn't matter where you are in the gym or on the ice because you're always wanting to evolve and, you know, you don't want to be doing the same thing, you know, your whole life. You kind of want to experience and grow as an athlete and uh, learn new tricks of the trade or whatever you want to, want to call it. But, uh, 
Yeah, like when I was very young, I, I was always in training with my dad and, you know, we were always shooting pucks in my backyard or going to the rink to, you know, work on something. Um, so pretty well most of my life growing up, I was, you know, working on my hockey game and um, it was all out of love, of course, when I was a kid. I just wanted to shoot pucks. I love shooting pucks. I, you know, I had cans hanging from the net for corners and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, and I was – that's kind of the kind of stuff I did, I guess. So. Yeah, I mean, it's – I think that's one thing that, you know, through doing these interviews I always kind of get lost in is talking to people about, you know, the tactics, these things that they're changing, but then it always does come back to, right, to, like, just the love of the game. It's like, if you're not loving it, if you're not enjoying it, then, you know, where are you going? What are you doing? But so I love hearing that, that it's, you know, right from day one, it was always just, it was always on your mind, but always just out of the love of the game and more than anything else. I think that applies to pretty well anything you want to be successful at in life. If you want to be good at it, you really got to enjoy what you're doing. Right. I think that's, that's nothing more true than that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when, so in that 15 year old season, that was when you sort of feel started to feel like that was really what you wanted to do for a career. But was there a moment or like anything in particular that made you realize like, okay, I can actually make this my career. Cause you know, every kid at that level is obviously going to be trying to move up, but like, when was it that it sort of really felt like a reality for you and not just a dream anymore? Uh, um, yeah, it all, for me, it kind of happened pretty fast. You know, um, I joined the Western Hockey League when I was 16 years old. And by the time I was 18, 19 years old, I was kind of playing in the NHL already a bit. So, um, it happened pretty fast, honestly. And it, it was, uh, it was actually like blow, blew me away a little bit. I just, uh, you know, going basically from junior and, you know, playing well in junior and having the success there, but then the draft and everything, that's where I was like, holy, this is like getting really real and real serious here. And, uh, you know, these teams mean business and, um, yeah, it's, it's a big stepping stone for sure from junior to go to the NHL. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, just that, that whole draft process, I've always really found that to be interesting because obviously it's very different for everybody, but you know, you were a number six overall pick and, uh, I remember that was the draft, like that was Sidney Crosby's draft year. So that was like, that was a big deal in the NHL as it is, you know, as such a young kid, like how did that year shape out how did that year play out for you like what was the pressure like Can you talk a little bit about about that year yeah that year was uh quite an interesting year our, our hockey team did fairly well and i was doing pretty well with the vancouver giants um and uh just the way things worked out and because uh, it was a lockout year that year um the, our draft year actually in 2005 i uh, obviously things were a little bit different that year than they normally were because uh, because of that so uh, I don't think we fully got like the full experience of the draft. We were like in a hotel in Ottawa and like a banquet room and we didn't get the whole uh, stadium experience um, like most drafts do. Um, so that was kind of a different year. And we were having like, you know, like the combine and hotel rooms and stuff like that and, and meeting, you know, managers and GMs and stuff like that, just in hotel rooms and stuff like uh, those kind of like short meetings where you just kind of get to know each other. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of what I remember from that year and stuff. But, um, you know, like I said, once the draft actually came, it was quite a big, big change and uh, things got real pretty quick. Yeah, man, of course. And I mean, you know, but I can't imagine that like for an 18 year old kid that dealing with, you know, talking to NHL teams and all of these things, like I can't imagine that comes super easy, right? Like I know you have your agent to kind of help you through that process and, yeah. you know, there is help along the way. But can you talk like, while you're trying to concentrate on obviously having a good year playing for the Vancouver Giants. It's yeah. like, 
were you, did you find you handled that year pretty well? Like, how were you able to kind of separate, you know, what you had to do on the ice and all of this stuff, all of this stuff about the future that was kind of coming down? Um, honestly, the way that my mentality was when I was playing hockey is I was just so, you know, involved in my junior career and my hockey and what I was doing with my team that I wasn't really concerned too much about, honestly, the things going around a lot. I mean, it was very hard to say that and to, to do that. Um, I mean, there's always like the media and interviews and things you got to do that kind of, um, sway or change your thinking sometimes, but, um, I was just so happy to be playing hockey and just focused on, you know, being successful. Um, I didn't really think of those things and honestly just, uh, they just followed me because I was just really happy at scoring goals, setting guys up, hitting guys, you know, uh, winning hockey games. Those kind of little things kept me just focused on, on that instead of worrying about the, the bigger picture, obviously. Well, I mean, I love that because I think that's a message that, you know, especially now, like the world we live in today, we've got such like unfettered access to, like professional hockey players to all these athletes at the top level that like, I feel like kids a lot of the time can get lost in that where like they're seeing, you know, what their heroes are doing by just watching them on Instagram or whatever else yeah. that they get lost in the fact that, you know, Connor McDavid didn't wake up one day and become the guy who led the lead, who led the NHL in scoring for three years in a row. He, you know, he started as that little kid putting on skates for the first time and worked through that process to become the player he is today. Yeah. Uh, so just to hear like your concentration through that whole year, even as a, you know, first round, very high pick yeah. was just on winning games, scoring goals, setting guys up all of that and yeah. not so much concentrating on not, uh, you know, the NHL teams come and knocking on your door and all that is, uh, it's pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Like I said, it's, uh, I think it's easier said than done because you obviously have those, you know, voices coming down from, you know, pressure, like you want to call it, whatever you want to say and voices coming to watch you play and, and perform at a high level. Um, but yeah, you know, when you have, uh, like you said about McDavid and, you know, all the other guys that get to the NHL on those levels, they obviously put in the time and the work to, from when they're very young, like the, a lot of people see the success and everything, but they don't see, you know, the sleepless nights and the hours and early mornings that they had to put in and, and all the blood, sweat and tears, literally that uh, you go through to, to get uh, a chance to be an NHL player. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So for any kids that right now, you know, have that goal of going to the NHL and, you know, are going to be dealing with those pressures, because as you said, it is easier said than done. It's easy to sit here and say, oh, just don't let it get to you. But, you know, obviously when you're in the moment, it's a lot more difficult. From yeah. someone who's been through it, do you have any, like, any tips or anything to sort of make these kids, re like, to kind of get kids refocused if maybe they do find themselves getting swept up in those? Oh, well, one thing for sure, and when I was growing up, uh, it, there obviously wasn't as much social media, right? So for kids nowadays, I think it's, it's easier, it's easy to compare um, yourself and people to everything you see, kind of like we we're talking about before on social media and everyone's got their best posts or whatever they're putting on. Um, but you don't see the other things that are going on in their life. So it's uh, easy to get mixed up kind of and wrapped up and trying to just be successful and just that all the time instead of, um, and just focusing on the, uh, the actual success that they have instead of the, the little trials and tribulations that everyone has to go through on a daily basis. And uh, social media, I think, can be tough, uh, especially mentally on, on uh, young minds because they're still developing and growing and they don't understand some of the, the things that are going on in the world, right? So I think it's important to just try to be true to yourself and, um, yeah, just try not to get too wrapped up in social media, I guess. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that was, uh, you know, even just for myself, that was a funny realization where like one day I sort of sat down and I went, wait, everybody just shares the good things. So, you know, if you're sitting there looking at, you know, this guy's profile or that guy's profile, chances are you're seeing about one twentieth of what's actually going on in their life. Right. Yeah, so it's like, you're seeing all these great things and uh, you know, it's just, it was a, it was a funny realization for myself. And I know I see kids all the time that, you know, they're well, like this kid in this city is already moving up to this level. So I need to be moving up higher, but no, like just relax. Like you don't know what's going on with anybody else, but you. And if you're focused on yourself, you're going to advance. If you're focused on everybody else, yeah. they're going to advance while you sit and watch them. Right. Everyone's got their own path, their own journey. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And um, then going through the draft experience, you know, as you said, it was a bit of a strange year for you guys, but uh, you know, as that 18 year old kid, now you've been picked sixth overall to the Columbus blue jackets, you know, what went into preparing for that first NHL camp? Obviously that's got to be a huge step up even compared to coming up to playing juniors at 15, you know, what went into going to preparing for that first NHL camp and uh, how did it go for you? Yeah. Um, my first NHL camp, it, it went really well. And my first preseason went well. I, you know, I had pretty good in points in our, our team. I think I was in the top few guys on our team in scoring. So, um, and Gerard Gallant was our coach there at the time, uh, my first camp. Um, so they kind of just let me come in and do my thing and play hockey and, you know, be the young guy that was kind of just, you know, learning. Basically I was the young rookie, a very young rookie. And, uh, just kind of learning the ropes and uh, learning how camp goes there. And it was, uh, you know, like we had to go through uh, Traverse City, which is, you know, kind of a few teams come there in, in Michigan and get together and play a little tournament. Um, it's mostly like the top prospects from each team come and play against each other. And then so you go there and then you end up going to like the rookie camp at the NHL camp and then you have to go to main camp. And it, it's quite a long process uh you know, but you're skating quite a bit and you're playing a lot of hockey with a lot of good players around you. And that's uh, one of the best parts about it is you're actually, uh, you're, you're meeting a lot of new people, but you're becoming a better hockey player in the process too as well. So it's, uh, it's a super fun time, uh, especially on the ice uh, to, you know, just play with some really world-class players actually. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's got to be a pretty, you know, pretty big step up in itself. Like, can you talk about, you know, were there any, moments like just in those first couple of tournaments and you know the rookie camp the main camp all of that like was there any you know welcome to the nhl moments for you where like you sort of realized you know this is this is what i worked for my whole life for and you know i'm actually i'm actually here now yeah it was uh, there were some funny moments that i can remember um you know i remember it was didn't happen to me but one of my teammates he was a younger guy and uh it was just scary because Rick Nash was coming down on me. He actually ended up spraining his ankle or something. He twisted his ankle from hitting this guy back. It was kind of like an accident. They fell on the boards weird, but, um, you know, it was Rick Nash. who was like the top guy in Columbus. And uh, I think it was one of the Reinhardt guys that uh, I can't remember his first name right now. At the top of my head, it's been years, but uh, he was just so worried because he heard Rick Nash and it was just hilarious because he was just so scared. Like he was never going to be heard from again. And, uh, just that kind of stuff goes on I think with hockey players in their head especially when it's like you know Rick Nash or uh, we ended up having like Sergey Fedorov there and uh, Adam Foote and guys like that and it was just that kind of stuff <laughs> it's uh it's funny to, to think about actually 
Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, as much as like in your head at the time, I'm sure I can, I can understand why you're going to be, why you're going to be a little bit worried. Like you just got into a collision with the top player on the team. He's out, you know, that, but at the same time, like any coach worth their salt sees that sees it was an accident and shrugs it off. Right. Yeah, it's just funny, you know, because uh, the players got to deal with that, and mentally, it's just like you know, kind of worried a bit. And you know, there's little like you know, get emotional going through camp because you have new new feelings coming up. You're meeting new people. You're a new person, and it's just it's a lot to uh, to take in. Um, but it's actually a really cool a, a journey, actually, once you if you embrace it, obviously. So. Yeah, I mean, I can I can only imagine. And then uh, for yourself as an 18 year old in that first year too. You know, obviously, like we said, the NHL is going to come with a whole host of new pressure, new, you know, new challenges. Was there anything in particular that stuck out to you as like a big change that, you know, you maybe wish you had been ready for that you weren't ready for? Or like anything in particular that uh, that stuck out about being at that level compared to junior? Um, yeah, I think um, in junior, like I was. I'm a pretty physical player and I wasn't the biggest guy, but um, I don't know if I just had natural strength because I was, I've always been a pretty good skater. You know, I've always had a pretty good solid core and leg strength. Um, so I've always gotten some power for my legs. Um, but um, <clears throat> sorry, I just lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, um, just the difficulty of, you know, the, that first year in the NHL compared to junior. Yeah. Sorry. I was uh, just saying I, I was getting into like, training and stuff and I, I just na- naturally was having this leg strength as a younger kid but then I got into the NHL and you're playing against real big men that are pretty strong uh, big you know athletes um, so one big thing that I wish I did better actually growing up coming out of juniors was actually lifting more like I wish I had done more Olympic lifting like uh, I did more when I was in my like mid like early mid 20s I'd say I started getting more into Olympic lifting I wish I would have started a bit of more of that and stuff um, just to build some a little bit more strength, but obviously not just Olympic lifting, but a little bit more of that with combined with some, you know, some sprinting and speed stuff too, as well, obviously. Um, yeah. So that- yeah. Like, so developing that strength and power, even though you were a naturally powerful kid, exactly. developing that a little bit more so that when you hit the next level, you were matching them in their power and you weren't just relying on kind of what you had naturally. Yeah, exactly. Because in junior, I was able to do that and hit guys and take, you know, take on some guy, bigger guys. But in the NHL, it was a whole different story, especially when I was a young kid. You know, I was like a basically a boy playing against full grown men and, uh, you know, very strong men, too, that are fast. So it's uh, probably one of the reasons, you know, my first year I got hurt a couple of times because I, I ended up getting hit by uh, Roman Hammerlick. He broke my sternum and then I broke my leg as well in a, in a different game in Minnesota. Damn. Um, so for any kids listening to this that are 15, 16 years old, wondering what they can do to help get themselves to the next level, right now's the time. You start getting yourself into the gym. Make sure that even if you're big and strong in whatever league you're playing in right now, if you're trying to hit the next level, you're going to be playing against bigger, stronger guys. Starting to develop that stuff now, it's just going to keep giving you advantages. I want to take a quick break here and talk about hyperclear BCAAs from Perfect Sports. HyperClear gives you seven and a half grams of vegan sourced BCAAs per serving and have an optimized ratio of two one to one with leucine, isoleucine, and valine for optimal muscle protein synthesis. If you're like me, one thing you'll commonly see with BCAA supplements is a weird foam that often forms on the top of the drink. 
Thanks to Canisol Buffered Technology, the HyperClear formula from Perfect Sports is more soluble, leaving zero foam on top of the drink when you mix it up. This makes for better flavor and better absorption. HyperClear is also banned substance free. So as always, you know that when you're going with Perfect Sports products, you are putting yourself in the best situation to succeed. To check out HyperClear and the other great products that Perfect Sports have to offer, check out www.perfectsports.com. And to save some money on all of your orders, use my discount code Kenny20, that's K-E-N-N-Y-2-0, for 20% off all your purchases. Now let's get back to the episode. In that first year or two, you know, dealing with these injuries, you know, was there any like, how did that, how did that sort of go over for you? I know, like, obviously adversity is something every player is going to have to face, but it's never easy, you know, at the time, especially serious injuries like that, a broken sternum and a broken leg. Like, yeah. how did you sort of make it through that process? You know, what were those, uh, what were those days like when, you know, you weren't able to play and you were sort of trying to work back from those injuries? Uh, those are tough days, you know, um, not just tough physically, but mentally, you know, uh, of course. I think you're just being away from your team, um, not being able to play, you know, feel you're almost feeling like you're kind of like a burden sometimes and you want to be back uh, with your team. You want to be performing, playing. Um, it, it's tough. Um, and that first year I got hurt twice. I ended up actually going back to the Giants in junior. Um, they ended up sending me back. I think I played like seven games or something like that. Um, yeah, I had. I had been nursing an injury and then I played a few more games and got hurt again. So I ended up going back to junior uh, once I was healthy and I, you know, I had a great season, great finish. We went to the Memorial cup and stuff. Um, But definitely going through those injuries in Columbus, like there were some really just boring days and like early days where I was up in the gym doing rehab and, you know, just tired a lot. Like I was up early working a lot or at the gym and just trying to recover and do stuff. Or I was at the pool early in the morning, you know, doing stuff for my leg to fix my leg. So uh, it's a lot of work and it, it's tough sometimes, but, uh, if you can manage to, you know, get through it and be positive, uh, and you do get back to work, then, you know, obviously you're going to be super happy once you get back and you're healthy. Yeah. Uh, do you have any, like any real takeaways from, you know, those injuries in those early days that, you know, a kid can maybe take from your experience to just help them through those tough days. Right. Cause it all, it almost feels like you're dealing, like you're the only one dealing with it when you're going through it. But, you know, if you're dealing with this kind of tough stuff, there's hundreds of players who have dealt with it before you and there are hundreds more that'll deal with it after you. Right. So it's anything that you took away from your experience. Well, you're absolutely right about that. You know, injuries do happen. That's part of, part of sport, especially, you know, hockey, it's a, it's a fast, strong game, you know, and a very physical game too. So injuries do happen and it's almost inevitable. Honestly, I'm going to say through hockey, through your career, you're going to have, you know, something happen here or there and just uh, being able to manage it in the best possible way that you can in the most positive way without letting it bring you down too much is the best way to go I think yeah I mean and I think too like for just from my my own experience dealing with a couple of injuries just in life and uh, dealing with athletes that have gone through similar things is when you have one of those bad days where you're like you're really just not feeling it like it's okay to let yourself feel that from time to time too you know like you don't have to if you're having a day where you're just really not feeling great like if you're just trying to fake that you're feeling great until, you know, until it comes back, sometimes that can almost be more detrimental, but just kind of let yourself feel the low and then let yourself come back. Right. Yeah. You know what? I always feel good about myself when I push myself to those days where I don't feel like going to the gym, but then there's also those days where if you're actually like hurt and you're going to like be doing more damage or hindering your development by going and making it worse, then that's not good. You don't want to get to that point. 
Well, I appreciate you saying that so much because I can think of so many kids that, you know, if like come limping into the gym one day going, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm going, look, you can't walk. We're not sprinting today. Like go home, rest. And I'll see you when you're, I'll see you when you're able to walk again. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's one thing I've learned over, you know, through all the injuries I've dealt with too, is uh, with my, with my trainers and guys doing rehab is that you're going to have to, even if you're hurt, sometimes you're going to have an injury and you're going to have to go work the areas around it to actually make your, you know, that injury, you know, come along and the muscle gets stronger and then develop and, you know, get back to normal, um, which is tough sometimes because when you have, like I say, a groin injury and then you're having to work your hamstrings and quads and do things around that to help strengthen that, it can be tough, right? Um, but then, you, you know, you're going to make little steps gradually to getting back quicker if you're going to go that route. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the big thing too is like, is just not rushing that process. Like, you know, I've heard way too many stories of a kid goes out with like a minor groin pull and they're probably out two weeks, but then they rush back in to get back in for the next game. And then that turns into a grade three tear. And now instead of out two weeks, you're out four months. And now you set yourself back just because you didn't want to take those couple of days off and properly rehab it. You want it to just get right back at it. Yeah, totally. The ball, the body's in balance. And uh, if you have an injury on one side, obviously it's going to start compensating, uh, you know, around that or even on the other side, especially with your groin. If you have one on the right side, your left side is definitely going to be working harder and you're, you know, you're probably going to start feeling that a bit too after a while. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, so for the remainder of your NHL experience, I know you played in Columbus and you played in Edmonton. Um, and before we clicked, uh, before we click record, I know you said that you had had some sort of ups and downs through your NHL career. Can you sort of talk about, you know, your NHL experience as a whole from coming in as that 18 year old kid through to like through those 300 games, you know, what was that experience like? Like, would you, do you have some real takeaways that again, kids can take from your playing experience and, you know, apply to their own careers moving forward to maybe learn from you and continue to progress on their own? Yeah, like uh, I think every person in life, no matter what career path they choose, will have up, ups and downs. You know, there's uh, of course, like you said, I came into the NHL a first round draft pick uh, as an 18 year old and a young kid. You know, everything was great on the up and up, and it was a super high, high time for me in my career. Like everything was going great. I was kind of you know just entering my NHL career, and uh, you know I had my time in Columbus that uh, was a bit tough for me, honestly. With uh, with Ken Hitchcock when he came in, it was. It was hard for my development. It was hard for me, uh, my confidence, and me personally. You know, I wasn't wasn't playing much, um, so that's why I ended up, you know, asking to be traded to Edmonton um, just to get out of Columbus, so I could go somewhere and try to develop a bit more. Uh, and Edmonton ended up sending me down to the American Hockey League uh, from after playing in the NHL for three years, which was uh, kind of a blow to my confidence again, obviously. And then I, uh, you know, obviously made my way back to Edmonton and. Um, you know, had one of my best years there with, uh, with Pat Quinn as my coach. Um, may he rest in peace, Pat Quinn. Um, but uh, he was one of the best coaches for me there that I've had in the NHL. You know, he was just really nice, just kind of let me do my thing, let me play. Uh, and I had a really good year. You know, even though I had the flu for a few weeks, I missed some games that year. Um, so, you know, like those kind of things I'm talking about, you kind of go through these little rides up and down here and there, and there's some really good times or some lower times, but – um, you know, I've obviously learning and I'm getting older. I'm 35 years old just about now. So it's trying to keep that balance through your life and not having too many highs and too many lows. You want to try to keep this as much as you can. You're obviously going to have some here and there, but uh, trying to manage as much as you can to try to keep a steady 
even flow throughout your life um, as much as possible. I mean, like, like I said, you're going to have these little spikes here and there, but. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I, I like that idea. You know, I always try to live by not getting too high in the highs and not getting too low in the lows. Right. It's like, even if, if something bad's happening, not letting yourself get sucked deep, deep, deep into that. But even if something great's happening, like, yeah, be happy, but don't let it, you know, don't be up in the clouds because then that fall is just that much further if that goes away. Right. Totally. You're absolutely right. Looking back on those early years uh, with Ken Hitchcock, like you're not playing maybe as much as you want to be. Um, looking back on your experience, is there anything that, you know, maybe either you would do to kind of help yourself through those times or anything that maybe you wish you had done looking back that could help you make the most of the time when you're not playing? Because, you know, obviously that is something that a lot of guys go through, like not getting the ice time, but it's tough to be on the sidelines. But, you know, how do we get through those times to make sure that, when you do get more ice time, you are in a position where you're ready for it. Um, yeah, I was a, I was a pretty young, you know, not even, a, I wouldn't even say a man, you know, when I was 18, I was pretty young still. So um, now that I look back, obviously I wish I was a little more mature, but it's hard to say when you're 18, you know, you're still kind of, of course. I just came out of high school basically. So, um, you know, I wish I was just a little more mature at, at the time and I had a little just more, and didn't dwell on things as much and just had a little more confidence in my ability and just said, Hey, like I'm here for a reason. Uh, I might not be playing, but Hey, let's just try to get better at every day if we can and do the right things. And something, some days I think I let it get the best of me too much. And I don't think I was completely myself sometimes because I, of the things that were coming into my mind and the, the negative things that were coming into my mind too much. So I think um, I just need to be a little more mature, a little bit stronger. And just uh, obviously have that, you know, positivity uh, would have helped a bit more too. Well, man, I mean, you know, I could only imagine at 18 years old, if I had, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine dealing with those kinds of pressures at all, let alone even, you know, let alone being there. So just, just the fact you were there and you were able to work through it is a pretty impressive thing in itself. But uh but, you know, I know it obviously is, it's always tough to look back and, you know, wish there was something to change. But I think a lot of kids can learn from that of, you know, even if you're not on the ice contributing in the way that you want to be the guy in the locker room, that's helping the guys around him be, you know, the guy that's supportive from whatever position you can be in. Right. And if you're bringing that attitude every day, it's only going to do good things for you. Yeah. And also help yourself, you know, help yourself get better, try to push yourself and test yourself and try to keep getting better every day yourself, even if you're not, feeling it that day completely you know yeah absolutely and uh, this is one thing I'm always curious especially talking with guys who have been right at that top level if you're in a position where you're not getting the ice time that you want or you're not you know things maybe aren't going your way what's your thought about like just directly asking the coaches hey I want to be on the ice more what do you need to see from me yeah, I think that's one thing that um, coaches could be better at, I think, on, on, from the coaching side, is that they could be a more open-minded to some of the players asking them if if you aren't playing. And I think some coaches do respond to that. Some coaches maybe not. But um, uh, if you have an open relationship with your players and you're able to talk to them just like regular people instead of kind of having this uh, hierarchy sort of thing, you know, Uh, I think that's better for everyone in the end because we can all be open-minded. We can talk, hey, if I'm not playing, what do I need to do to get here to do this? And if I'm not doing it, okay, well, then I realize why I'm not doing it, why I'm not playing maybe. Or maybe I need to be fit somewhere else or I fit somewhere else, some like other team better. Who knows? Whatever it may be, right? So, Yeah, and I mean, I fully agree. I think coaches 
do need to be better at things like that. Like that's one thing in my own strength and conditioning work that I always try to enforce is that, you know, we get the best results when this is a partnership, when we work together, it's not just me blindly yelling at the athletes saying, okay, we're doing this, this, and this today. And don't question it. Like, if you don't feel like you're getting the result you want, I want to know about it because then we can change it and we can get the better result for you. But if I don't know that there's an issue and you're just going home every day, you know, rolling your eyes and complaining that you don't think the workouts are doing anything for you, we're going to keep going down that path because in my head, everything's going well. (laughs) You know, and I think coaches, like even on the sports side, if you're, if you've got a player who's not in a position where they're not happy, if they feel comfortable enough to come to you and talk to you about it, it's just going to, it's going to benefit you because you're going to have a happier guy in the locker room and it's going to benefit them because they feel like they're a part of a team and they're not being cast off to the side. Oh, I mean, know how you feel too, right? So I think uh, communication is huge just in anything you do in life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Communication, you know, from the coach side, from the athlete side, whatever it is, is, uh, is always going to be massive. Yeah. And then can you talk to me, what was it that ended up bringing you overseas? Like you said, when you got to Edmonton, you had one of your best years there with Pat Quinn. And then, uh, you know, you were overseas within a couple of years after that. So like, how did that process sort of evolve? You know, what made, what made you decide that that was the right move for you? Yeah. Um, I played for the Oilers for a few years and then, um, they sent, uh, they put me on waivers actually. And, uh, Phoenix ended up picking me up, um, after I played in, um, Oh, where is it in uh, Portland for a little bit? I played in Portland for a bit. Uh, I was in Oklahoma City a little bit with Edmonton, actually. Uh, Phoenix was Portland, um, so I was down in the minors a bit, and I got picked up off waivers to Phoenix, and that's the year we went to the Western Conference Finals, and uh, we lost to LA, uh, who ended up winning the Cup that year. Um, you know, that was a cool, pretty cool experience. I got picked up. I think it was in January, I want to say, sometime, and maybe through like middle of the year. Uh, and I ended up going to Phoenix, which was awesome because it was like plus 30 degrees there. And <laughs> it was like minus 30 in Edmonton. So I was pretty happy about the weather and going down to Phoenix was a, uh, it was a cool experience. I mean, and there was a lot of great, you know, a lot of nice guys in that team that I had uh, a lot of fun with. And, uh, you know, Kyle Chipchura, who I grew up, you know, in junior hockey was down there too. So I knew him. Uh, yeah, so it was a cool experience. And uh, just to go to Phoenix and have that Western conference final, I actually have my, uh, my banner here from Phoenix from that year, actually. Oh, that's awesome. This is for our Pacific division championships. We went to the Western conference finals and we, we lost, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Hey, still <laughs> a pretty, still a pretty incredible experience. I think I actually remember that year uh, watching you guys, watching you guys play. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool. Incredible that year. Oh yeah. I don't doubt it. I mean, and you know, just the, bonding and all of that between players not only through the season but then to get that deep into the playoffs too I can only imagine it's a pretty uh pretty incredible experience yeah it was fun we uh we beat uh, Chicago I think in the first round and then we beat Nashville the second round so we beat some good teams before uh, losing to LA yeah uh, was there anything in particular about like about that playoff run that sticks out to you just as like a fond memory whether it was like something in a game or just you know being around the team as a whole I think just the whole like uh, playoff atmosphere, especially in Phoenix, you know, with the whiteout and stuff that they had, it was just wild. Every game was crazy down there. Um, And just to play in the playoffs, to score a goal in the playoffs, like that was an incredible feeling, you know, to finally be able to do that because I've been on some not so good teams in the NHL. So (laughs) I didn't get a lot of playoff games and unfortunately, but um, yeah, that was, it was a lot of fun. Those games are great. 
Yeah, uh, I can only imagine. That sounds sounds pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, so the move overseas, you know, now you're heading off. Uh, I can't remember which team it was that you started off overseas with, but you've played in a few different uh, few different organizations over there. Yeah. You know, what was it that ended up bringing you over there? And then uh, how did you kind of adapt to the game overseas? Like I, like I mentioned before we clicked record, I've got a, an athlete right now that's going to be heading off to Sweden. And, you know, it's, uh, I can't imagine it's an easy thing going off to a new country, a new language. Obviously the ice is where you're going to feel the most at home, but how was the rest of that experience for you? Yeah, my first year I uh, went over to Russia actually, so that was tough because uh, not many people spoke English uh, over there, so um, that was really hard. I really had to pay attention there my first year. I had to really watch what was going on on the board. I had to really try to listen to my teammates. We had some translators and stuff like that to kind of see what was going on. Um, obviously, you know, the language thing's a tough part. Um, the guy you have going to Sweden, they, most of them speak English there, so he'll be fine with that. Um, but as far as the hockey goes, uh, yeah, my first year, it was a bit of a learning curve just to play on the big ice again and play in, uh, you know, quite a different style of league. It's a little more open. Uh, I wouldn't say it's physical because uh, obviously there's a bigger ice and stuff. So, um, it was a learning curve. It was tough for me my first year. Um, but my second year is when I started to really get used to the hockey, I think, and started to really do well. And, um, yeah, I played for a few different teams throughout Russia. I played in, uh, Zagreb and Croatia too. Um, I played in China. I played in Shanghai and Beijing. Um, so yeah, I've been around, uh, <laughs> around uh, overseas now too. So uh, I've learned some new languages a little bit. I, my wife is Croatian too, actually. I met her when I was playing in Zagreb. So been uh, been quite a trip over there. I mean, I was going to say that's, uh, that's got to be a pretty amazing experience in itself. You know, kids grow up dreaming of playing in the NHL, but to be able to play around the world and, you know, meet your wife while you're playing around the world. Like that's a pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal thing too. Yeah. You know what? I, I really enjoyed my time in the NHL, but uh, I definitely grew a lot when I went overseas, you know, I got to learn and experience so much more new stuff and new cultures, new languages, new food, new people, uh, different hockey, you know, it was, uh, it was awesome, man. I'll never look back on that as a bad thing ever that I went overseas because I, I gained so much uh, experience and just life experience and a, and a uh, you know a partner in life as well too so yeah I mean I think it's an incredible thing for uh, for any hockey player you know to be able to continue on their career and play yeah play in a different country play everywhere around the world like you said it was obviously a great experience for you uh, but for kids who are, or I guess at this point, men who are coming into that, uh, coming into that position where they could be going overseas to pursue their career, from your experience, like what was the biggest thing to make sure that they're prepared for before coming onto a team where maybe they don't speak the language or uh, you know one of these other challenges that you might have faced in the beginning. Oh, I think the biggest thing is you're going to have to keep a pretty open mind. Like uh, things are definitely going to be different. They might not be as uh, always as good as you think they should be, or as they are maybe in North America, because you, you know, I've been to some cities that are pretty small cities, maybe not as nice as uh, some of the cities here. So um, you got to expect that sometimes, you know, and uh, Russia is a really cool place. Uh, so is China, but it's definitely different than North America. That's for sure. And, and I'm glad it is because if it wasn't, I'd be, it would be boring. <laughs> I'm glad it's something new for, you know, you know it's awesome. So. Yeah, of course. I mean, you don't want to go across the, you don't want to go across the whole world to do the exact same thing in the exact same way as you're doing over here. Right. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> 
Well, man, this has been uh, this has been really cool getting to learn a little bit more about you. You know those experiences in the NHL. Uh, I think your experience will like will help so many kids that as they're progressing through their careers because you know it it is a really incredible thing that at 18 years old you're dealing with you know the pressures of millions of people watching you on TV of uh, dealing with contract negotiations, dealing with all these things that, you know, even at 28 years old now, I feel like I'd struggle to deal with. Uh, so just yeah. to learn from your experience in that way, I think is going to really help a lot of people. Um, and man, you have a pretty incredible story too, like all the time overseas and everything like that. It's, uh, it's been really cool learning a lot more about this. Yeah, for sure, man. It's been great. And I'm glad you let me share. And uh, I enjoy sharing, as, uh, especially when it's going to help people. I'm, I hope I can help people and uh, hopefully they can take some advice from me. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of really good stuff here. But keeping the goal of the show in mind, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, before clicking record, what I'm really trying to do here is help athletes understand what it is that helps build a successful career in sport compared to those who fall off before. You know, and uh, to me, a successful career in sport doesn't necessarily mean, you know, top of the top forever and making millions upon millions of dollars. But just to be able to have the kind of career that you've had playing in the different cities you have is a pretty phenomenal thing. Um, and, you know, as we know, to play that kind of level, being a good player is the bare minimum. So, you know, it, given that goal, is there anything you feel like we miss anything you feel like we should touch on a little bit more to uh, to really kind of drive that home? Uh, I think it's important to be a good player, to be the best player you can, but I think it's even more important to be a good person and good to the people around you, honestly. It doesn't matter what they believe in, you know, what color they are, whatever their race, sexuality may be. I think it's just as long as you're good to the people around you, then they'll be good to you, right? So I think it's important to, to be a good person like that and not just a good athlete, but a good person as well. Man, I think that's a phenomenal lesson in itself. Like, and I think that just applies, you know, anywhere beyond sport as well. Like, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, uh, it's definitely a weird sort of time in the world where everybody feels like because we've got our phones and the internet, we can be as offensive or anything like that as we want to. But uh, yeah. to hear that kind of message coming through, I think it's really important. Yeah, well, just touching on what you said there, there definitely needs to be more accountability as well, too, you know, and uh, those people that are doing this kind of bad stuff will be held accountable at some point, I'm sure. Oh, man, absolutely. And I mean, I just it kind of made me think of uh, another lesson I've heard a lot of the guests I've had on the show talk about is for kids, you know, no matter how young you are right now, if you're trying to pursue a career in sport where, you know, people are going to know your name, you got to be conscious of what you're putting out there in the world, right? It's like right now it might seem like a funny joke, but uh, when you're 24 years old playing in the NHL and that tweet or that Instagram post that you made 10 years ago comes out that's, you know, insulting this race or insulting whoever else, even if you thought it was a funny joke at the time, it's like this stuff, this stuff is serious and it, like you got to be watching what you're saying and watching what you're talking about out there. I agree with that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also think that, um, yeah, I don't know, never mind. I don't need to go into it too much. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a whole other whole other kind of topic, eh? Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Maybe for another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, man, like I said, I think there's there's so much good to come out of this, you know, to kind of help kids learn to deal with those pressures of high-level sport early in their careers. Uh, and then also learn that, you know, the playing the game overseas, like, yeah, it's going to be different, but it's going to be a phenomenal experience if you get the chance to 
pursue your dream and pursue what you love to do in, in a country other than your, other than your own. And, uh, you know, in somewhere that's a little bit, a little bit different for you. And, uh, so just before we leave off, if there's anybody that's looking to get in touch with you, whether it's about, you know, something they heard here today or just for any other reason, what's the best way for somebody to go about that? Uh, that's a good question. Cause I keep my Instagram private. So <laughs> I kind of like to keep my things a little private. Um, I guess, uh, the best way like you did, you found me on Instagram somehow and reached out. <laughs> that's pretty much how we connected. Right. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, and I'll make sure that, you know, everything there is up in the show notes, but, uh, Jill, I really appreciate the time today and for everybody else out there listening, this has been the elite development podcast with Kenny Dusso and Gilbert Bouet. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Elite Development Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, I would greatly appreciate if you subscribed and left a review for the show. As well, I would love to hear what your biggest takeaways were from the episode. My contact info is linked below. Send me a message and let me know what you thought. As always, I'm your host, Kenny Dusso. Thank you again and see you next time.